Hi, and welcome to the Fox Family Law Podcast. We are on episode number four. I'm Laura Hayes, a partner in the Dallas office. I'm here today with my associate, Jamie Lee Denton. We're going to talk about custody, possession schedules, and you know the standard in Texas, but also how to work to create some creative possession schedules when you don't have the typical nine to five jobs or you have unique circumstances. So Jamie Lee, welcome. Thank you, excited to be back. Yeah, this has been really fun. So um, if you want to go ahead and start talking about in the family code, the Texas family code, there's a standard possession schedule um, that kind of is the default for the judges to go to. Although the family code talks about the expanded standard possession schedule, and I'll have you explain what that means in a few minutes. But I will say that more recently, because of the pandemic, I have seen more judges deviate from the uh, standard possession schedule just because of everyone's remote working um, schedules and some other things. But nonetheless, the Texas Family Code still applies. So why don't you explain to our audience what the expanded standard possession is uh, from the Texas Family Code? Of course. So um, the standard possession schedule for parents living 100 miles or less apart um, is the non-custodial parent get the child the first, third, and fifth weekend from 6 p.m. Friday to 6 p.m. on Sunday. And they also get the child or children every Thursday during the school year from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Then school holidays, if there's a holiday, for example, President's Day weekend, if that is a school holiday, which it generally is, then the parents' weekend is extended through that Monday rather than ending on Sunday. So what you're talking about is this standard possession, and we'll go into um, some alternatives for that. But keep going. Okay, and then the parents switch off even and odd holiday years. So one will get spring break one year, and then the next spring break, the other parent will get it the next year. And the non-custodial parent also gets the children or child 30 days during the summer. So that what you said is the standard possession schedule for parents who reside less than 100 miles away from each other. Now, that being said, within the family code, there's the option to choose expanded standard, which is very similar, except that it extends the weekend through Monday morning return to school, and then the Thursday period of possession is actually overnight. So the non-custodial parent would pick up the children from school on Thursday and return them to school on Friday, and that would be every week during the school year. And that is generally what the courts default to. Although, as I was saying in the beginning, I've noticed that more and more judges are defaulting to a 50-50 schedule because of the pandemic. Um, before the pandemic, it was really, there were some judges who were very enthusiastic about 50-50 schedules, and then there were some other judges who were very against 50-50 schedules. So you just kind of had to know your judge when you had clients who wanted to get 50-50. But I've noticed that there's been a lot of deviation from that, I think, because of the remote working schedules and everyone's a little bit more available to be around their children and accommodate you know children's schedules due to you know more flexible work schedules so it'd be interesting to see whether the courts continue to order more 50 schedules but right now again the, the family code is still the expanded standard possession schedule so that being said that is what the courts are required to do, well, not required. That's what the courts are supposed to do under the family code. But obviously every custody decision is based on the unique circumstances of each case and what's in the best interest of the children because the courts are always looking at what is the best interest of the children. Um, however, what a lot of parents tend to forget is 
that they have the ability to decide together what is in the best interest of their children. And so even if you have a possession schedule that's been court ordered for expanded standard, the parties forget that they can reach agreements otherwise. Now, sometimes that's just not possible because it's too high conflict, but once you get this agreement in place or you court order or even just before you get the court order, if the parties want to, they can come up with a schedule that may not make sense to anyone else, but if it makes sense to them and it works for their child, then the courts will sign off on that. And the other thing I try to talk to my clients about, obviously not in high conflict cases, but in the, the cases where I, I think the parties will start to get along, is that they can always deviate from the court schedule. Even if it's court ordered, as long as it's by agreement, they can change the schedule as the kids get older or as things change between the two of them. Um, there is a provision in almost every court order that says, unless the party, you know, this is the default schedule if the parties can agree otherwise. So I think it's really important to explain to my clients that it is possible to make a different schedule. So that being said, there are some cases where if we don't go to court and talk about expanded standard schedule, uh, we do reach agreements. And so um, I'm going to talk a little bit about 50-50 schedules and what that means because it, it means something different to everybody. 50-50 uh, generally means equal time, but how the parties define that and actually implement a 50-50 schedule can be different. So do you want to talk about some of the different options that we've seen in our cases? Definitely. We've seen a lot of parents that like to just do every other week. So one parent, they choose which day, maybe Sunday, Monday, that they start getting the child or children and then they get them for the whole week and then the next parent takes the turn. I feel like that one's just easy, easy to remember. You always have the set day. Um, so that's one option. And then another option is where it's every other week, like I just mentioned, but on Wednesday, there's an overnight to the parent who doesn't have the child currently. And like we discussed earlier, it's kind of like, oh, I'm missing my child. I, I can't go a whole week without them, which I don't have kids yet. So I can't understand, but I do miss my dog. So I think that's always a good option. And then there's the 2255 schedule where one parent has possession on Monday and Tuesday each week. The other parent has possession Wednesday and Thursday. And then they alternate weekend possession, which is defined as Friday through Monday morning every other week. So that's an option that um, we've seen quite a few families choose. And one more I would talk about is the 223 schedule, which is where the child will live with one parent for two days of the week, the other parent for the next two days, and then the first parent for the next three days. So this rotation will switch and each parent each parent ends up having an equal amount of time right and that's that particular schedule some parents really like it and other parents i i'm a parent and i would find that a little bit more difficult for my kids just because uh it can get confusing a lot of kids want to know which nights am i going to be at mommy's or daddy's or whatever the case may be um but you know some parents have made that work but to make a, a two, two, three schedule work, I really do think the parents have to have a good co-parenting relationship. And uh, otherwise it can be confusing for kids or, you know, kids are forgetful and they, you know, somebody brings a backpack or a school uniform or tennis shoes, whatever the case may be. And so you're kind of having to run back and forth between each other's houses when the kids forget things. And so you really do have to have a baseline good co-parenting relationship that isn't high conflict in order to be able to do some of these 
uh, more customized 50-50 schedules. Um, the week on week off schedule is less because you don't have to have the necessarily the good co-parenting relationship because it's just one custody exchange every week and you know hopefully the two of them can cooperate if somebody forgets you know, a soccer uniform or something that's you know school homework or something like that but you never know we do run into those issues where the parties don't cooperate even with the 50 50 schedule and then you know there's issues for the child but at the end of the day you know coming up with a schedule is really what works for the parents but what's in the best interest of the kids um the courts listen on a case-by-case basis if you have to go to court the parties can't, can't reach an agreement but most courts will either default to the expanded standard possession or a week on week off really aren't going to modify it very much in most cases unless there's a history and pattern of you know, kind of operating under a different schedule but really um you know parents need to look at what works for their kids uh what what schedule works that the kids are happy with, you know, some, some kids don't care. They can be flexible and others need a lot more structure. They need to know every Tuesday is at daddy's house or every Thursday, whatever the case may be, they need a whole lot more structure. So really a big part of coming up with possession schedules is really looking into the details and the particulars of each family and each child. You know, like I said, I mean, there's some kids who just really need that structure. And so they need to know that the schedule of what it's going to be and that it doesn't change and the parents need to you know be aware of that so it, it is while there is the default family code expanded standard people need to understand that they really can work with what their child needs and what they need in their particular family um and not necessarily revert to what the rubber stamp default is but you know sometimes convincing one parent to, to deviate from what the court says is a little bit harder than in other cases. Um, but, you know, then you get into situations where you don't have parents who have your typical eight, five, nine to five, whatever job, and you have nurses who work nights, or you have firefighters, or you have pilots, or, you know, jobs that don't have your typical Monday through Friday schedule. And so those parents, um, whether they agree or they go to court, can't have the rubber stamp expanded standard possession schedule. And there needs to be a little bit more creativity and a lot more flexibility in those particular cases. I'll just say, it, my ex husband and I, we get along very, very well. And, but we have to accommodate his schedule because he is overseas for 90 days at a time. And then he comes home for about 60 days. And so, obviously, when he's gone, you know, the kids, with me but then we sort of work together when they when he's home to come up with a creative schedule that works i usually give him some extra time when he gets home just well one because i enjoy the break but obviously the kids want to see their dad too um but then we kind of just work together for what works for our children but um you know so that requires a lot of flexibility and so he's not military but that's a, his schedule is similar to a military family and you know, so if you're involved in that kind of situation, it does have require a lot more flexibility. And when the courts look at it, there's, you know, there's no set, you have to do this in this circumstance. There's no default like there is to the family code. Because obviously in that kind of situation, you don't, you can't, you can't have a standard possession schedule. Um, and that, you know, it's the same way with uh, pilots, for example, if you work for a commercial airline, your schedule is different all the time. And, and depending on which airline you work for, 
um, the, the parent may have two weeks advance notice, might have 30 days advance notice, and then obviously the schedules can change if like it canceled or whatever. So it does those kinds of situations. They do require, you know, obviously there has to be a court order explaining the circumstances, but it also requires the parents to be a whole lot more flexible with ever changing schedules. Um, when you have firefighters or EMT workers, their their schedules are posted generally a lot more in advance. Um, and you can see what the schedules are going to be. So again, there's some creativity in drafting orders for firefighters um, and those types of orders, uh, you know, don't have like certain days off and then work 24 on, 24 off. And, you know, the kid doesn't want to, you don't want to have be bouncing around back and forth every couple of days, but you do have to plan in advance. So, you know, people can, well, the parents can obviously make their schedules, but also so the kid knows where they're going to be and when. Um, so it does require good drafting on our part, but also creativity and planning for the parents. And so working on those customized schedules is always, I, I always enjoy those because it's like solving a puzzle. It's like what works best and what fits in everybody's schedule. But um, but it is interesting, especially if they're high conflict and there's the, there's the uh, unique uh, work schedule for the parents that needs to be accommodated. So those are a little bit more interesting handle oh, yeah i'm sure and you've also you talked about how you can have an agreement to change the uh the schedule say that there was a firefighter who changed the job changed jobs and you need to rework the schedule are those agreements more likely to be in writing or are they going to be informal what do you usually tell your client so for to protect the clients i always say to put something in writing it doesn't have to be if you're, if you're looking at a modification for example, if the parties got divorced and there was an expanded standard possession schedule, and then the parties started operating a different way, um, it's great that you can work together. Um, but then you always want to protect yourselves and say, in case somebody decides to go back on their agreement. So, but it doesn't have to be a formal court order. It does have to be formal court order if you want it to be enforceable later. But if the two of you agree, say, for example, you have a um, expanded standard possession schedule, but you decide, you know what, we want to try to leave on the spot. That's fine. Just I always recommend that at a minimum there be an email exchange between the parents saying we agree to start working 50-50. That way, if somebody decides to revoke their consent to that, you at least have some kind of document to go back to court um, that says, hey, we agreed on a certain date to start doing this, and we've been doing it ever since, and they suddenly decided not to. Um, the courts are more likely in that case to confirm the modified schedule if there's proof that there was an agreement. Um, because sometimes you have you don't even have that minimum. I've seen it where I actually dealt with this case before. They had an expanded standard possession schedule in their decree. They decided to try 50-50. My particular client thought that that was going to stay that way, but the other side thought it was only going to be for the summer. And then as soon as school started, they decided to say, well, no, we're going back to the expanded standard. So then a modification case had to be filed, and both parties had to spend a lot on the attorney's fees because the agreement what it was was not clear. Right, and it wasn't in writing. So, um, obviously, as an attorney, I always have to say, put it in writing. <laughs> um, but like I said, it doesn't have to necessarily be a formal legal document, at least in the beginning. If you guys want to try to deviate and see if something works, just make sure that it's clear in an email or a text message. Hey, we're going to try this new schedule, and decide it's not working. And just you know, of course, that's easier said than done. 
at a minimum, I would say that it has to be, um, there has to be some kind of agreement in writing, even in the form of email is sufficient in some cases to at least start the process. However, if you want it to be enforceable or you want it to modify things like child support, in addition to modifying the possession schedule, then you definitely want to have a court order. Um, modification. It can be a good agreed order. It doesn't have to be long, ugly litigation, but just formalizing it just in case is obviously always a good recommendation. It doesn't end up being he said, she said in front of the court. Got it. So yeah, so coming up with possession schedules can be very complicated, but it doesn't have to be, but it definitely the more creative schedules do require flexibility on both parents. And so you know, part of our job as family attorneys is to evaluate each situation. And it's not just, you know, looking at our client, it's looking at the other side and looking at the future of, okay, when when emotions die down and we're not in litigation, are these two going to be able to get along and deviate? And that's great if they can, because that's in the best interest of everybody. But if they can't, then that's okay, accepting the particular circumstances and then really writing an order that is, you know, very detailed and enforceable so everybody's clear on what's going to happen and where the kids are going to be and when um, it's very helpful. So um, it does require a lot, a lot of discussion, a lot of negotiation, really understanding each family's unique circumstances and, and, and what the kids need too, because I mean, obviously we're talking about if there's a child who really doesn't do well with transitions, whether it's two moms or two dads, it doesn't matter. It doesn't do well with transitions and needs a lot of structure. Got to take that into consideration when thinking about what type of possession schedule works, and not just always defaulting to what does the family code say. While that's the you know generally what the courts go with, it's not always in the best interest of each particular child. So and I feel like Laura, we've even seen cases where there's two children and one needs something a little different than the other child. So you even can modify this child's going to spend the night and this child's not going to spend the night with this certain parent all the time. So I think it can even be as specific as it's not a one size fits all for one family even. Absolutely. That's very true. So on that note, I will say that generally courts don't like to split up children. They like to keep them on the same schedule and keep the siblings together. But you're absolutely right. There are circumstances where it, there are different schedules for, for different children within the same family. And, you know, sometimes that's court ordered and sometimes that's by agreement is, and there's lots of different circumstances for why that may be, but it certainly is a possibility for clients who do think that different schedules for the different children uh, would be in their best interest. So that's, that's a great point, Jamie Lee. Thanks, Laura. Well, great. Well, I think we've uh, got a good overview of the, the general, the general terms of coming up with possession schedules and how creative you can be. And then also if you can't be creative, what kind of the default is going to be. So do you have anything else to add? I do have one last question for you. Okay. That is, what is your favorite divorce or family law show or movie? Since we haven't had a podcast together, got to tell me. Absolutely. So I won't necessarily say this is my favorite, but I will say that a lot of my clients have recently brought um, a marriage story, which is on Netflix. I think it's come out within the last year or so, sometime during the pandemic, or maybe actually it was right before the pandemic. Anyway, um, they found it very helpful and very interesting to watch. I watched it personally. It, I, I don't know, I didn't particularly like it, but I do know that a lot of my clients um, have enjoyed it and 
ask me if I've seen it or wanted to watch it. So I guess that's it. If you're going through a divorce or thinking about going through a divorce, watching that has been a recommendation from some of my clients. So. Okay, I haven't seen that one. Might have to check it out. Now, now you have something to do this weekend. Yes, I do. Besides work. Of course. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining me today, Jamie Lee, and uh, thanks for listening. And look forward to hearing any questions or comments about our podcast. Thanks, everyone.